And we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for Christians to be Christians. Be something different. Why would they change? Why would they look for, for hope when they observe Christians' lives? And I'm just going, Lord, help us to truly be the people that you called us to be. That we would truly engage in our world. And that's what this passage is talking about, to engage in our world. So, and to be that exhibit where people see something so different in us that they want a part of what we have. Today we have people hurting. How many of those that were shot and killed? How many of them died without Christ? And we know what the Bible says, if you die without Christ, it's eternity. Eternity in hell. And I think we Christians need to somehow grab a hold of that reality have a more of a drive to really be that person that God has called us to be. But we have a lot of families that are hurting today. And we want to take just a couple moments and we want to lift up those families and the friends. So Father, we do take this moment. You are our Father. And somehow, Lord, we as your children need to be reminded of that, that we have a Father in heaven. We're blessed. But we also have a Father in heaven who wants to be a Father of more. And Lord, you have placed it upon us as your children to be that shining example where people would want to come into relationship with Father God. So, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our lives, that we would be a draw factor to you. But right now we do lift up the family, the friends in El Paso, uh, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. And, Lord, I don't know what else is going to happen this week because of the craziness in our society. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us as a nation for turning our back upon you. We're seeing some of the consequences, Lord. Forgive us. And Lord, we lift up the family, we lift up the friends, and we ask that somehow you would really give them a sense of peace, that you're in control, that you love them, that you will encourage them, that you will strengthen them. Lord, give us wisdom as we are dealing with people every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're continuing on in our study in Ephesians. And we're looking at, I, call, I called it that we're called to be different. You and I are called to be different. We're to, called to stand out. And I'm thankful that uh, the Bible also refers to the fact that we have a training ground in which we, we can learn from. 
You know, it was interesting. Uh, many of you know that I served in the Navy. And uh, I remember going into boot camp and thinking, my goodness, some uh, very um, weak characters. In fact, one of, the, one of the persons who had education was supposed to be the recruit chief petty officer leading our, our company around it during boot camp. Within two weeks, he said, no, don't, 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 don't make, me, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. And I became the recruit chief petty officer. But it's amazing how many people are just, they're, they're lacking. Lacking in character. You know, in the Navy, they used to say we had wooden ships and iron men. And then starting in World War II, they said we have iron ships and paper doll men. And more and more, as we look at what's happening in our society, less and less involvement in the, in the children's lives, less and less involvement of men in children's lives. We're seeing more and more this, this uh, weakening of character in children, both boys and girls. And, it, and it, it concerns me. It concerns me with where we're going in our, in our world. But, you know, as we, we read the Word of God, and you see in the bigger picture that we're going to see more of that happen in our world. And that, you know, because we're getting closer and closer to the time that the Lord is going to return. And the fact that that's a good sign that, that we're getting closer to the Lord's return should give us greater motivation to do what we can to make a difference in people's lives. Because eternity is a long time. It never ends. And I want to see more and more people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To have the same kind of hope that you and I have. The assurance that we have that we're going to be with the Lord. We have the training ground in Ephesians chapter 6, and I thought it was very important. But there's one thing before I uh, uh, dive into this just a little bit more. There was a there was a, uh, a statement that came out of the Minnesota Crime Commission, I'm not sure how many years ago, but they said, every baby starts life as a little savage. <laughs> we can, re we can remind, re recognize that. He or she are completely selfish and self-centered. They want what they want when they want it. They want their bottle now. They want their mother's attention now. They want their playmates' toys now. They want whatever it is, they want it now. And deny them, they seem to seethe with, with rage and aggressiveness. And, it, you know, if they were not so helpless, they'd probably be murderous. They're dirty. They have no morals, no knowledge, no developed skill. What does this mean? All children are born delinquent. And if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their uh, impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. What are we seeing in our world today? Because lack of discipline and instruction, it starts in the home life. Ephesians 6 is all about the fact that we're, you know, we're in a spiritual battle, if you will. 
And uh, next week we'll be looking at the fact that we are in the spiritual battle, how we are to pray and how we are to act. But the training ground for us to be able to be effective in the spiritual battle starts in the home. The training ground is also happening in our work life. So we have home life, work life. This is all a a ground upon which we can develop and become stronger and stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I was looking at this passage, trying to figure out, okay, Lord, how how do I really approach this? And it just with a, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. I went back and read Ephesians again. Three times this week. And I encourage you to go back and just read it again. I mean, we've covered a lot of territory. But read it again and again. Because it starts off with in Ephesians chapter 1. Right from the beginning... Praise be, think think about this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That That is just, I don't think we can fully grasp it. And that's some, of the th- that's some of the challenge, because we don't fully grasp it. We kind of make a mess of our life. But if we can understand what he has done for us, and, and it says, it goes on, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his son, to adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We have a unique standing. And I'm so thankful that he is working and helping us develop. We are his children. We're talking about children today. And we are his children. And he calls us to just as the physical, to obey him, to, to grow in, in instruction, to grow in discipline in a way that we would honor him in everything we do. And then as we go on in this passage, in, in the same chapter, picking up with uh, verse uh, 15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep on asking that the God of our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. These are words of encouragement for us. So as we face the challenges that we're going to identify uh, that that we face in life, as we look at the chapter 6 here, we're we're reminded that God the Father is actively desiring to be involved in our life, that he wants to work his purposes in our life to really help us to be that kind of person that represents him in everything that we do. And we, and we know that it all began because of his grace for us. For it is by grace that we have been saved 
through faith, not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then keep this in mind when we, think, when we talk about the children. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us to do beforehand. And you know, in advance for us to do. And we see that in our work life as well as our home life. God has a higher calling for each of us. He wants to do something very special in our life. And so then I'm reminded again that we, we've called this living a life worthy of God. That's what he's called us to do. Live a life that's worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the calling that we have received. And so we know that we are one in him. And there's, there's a beauty there. With all of our backgrounds, we are one in him. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves, even in our home life and in our work life, that we are one in him. So then we come into this, this uh, section that Pastor Paul has talked about the last couple of weeks, and we know that we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because we're one in him, there's this connection that we are supposed to have, this confidence in the relationship, a relationship that is healthy, a relationship that is so different than what you see in the world today. One that just really causes us to stand out from everyone else. We're called to be different. Amen? We're called to be different. And so let's, let's look at the training ground real quick where it starts. I referred to the Minnesota Crime Commission and what they said about children. And, it, and we see it so, so much more in our world today where, you know, you have 300-pound fathers saying, oh, I can't do a thing with this 30-pound kid. I have no control over this 30-pound kid. This kid just does whatever he wants to do. I go, who's the parent? And in our world today, parents abdicate. And is it any wonder that we're seeing things like the shootings today? Because parents have not followed through with their call. We as individuals, as children, we need to do our part too. But parents have a, a powerful role in helping train up the child in the way that they should go. We find that throughout the scriptures. So we begin with this passage in uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read the nine verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. 
So we find that we're talking about the home life and the work life in this particular passage. These are training grounds for us to continue to grow and develop and be able to have a positive impact wherever we are, where people can see something so different in us. There's a draw. There's, there's a desire to have what we have. And we've all been in situations where we've watched other people and we go, my goodness, what is wrong with that person? They're so selfish. They're so self-centered. They're not, you know, it, it, they, they walk all over people. And there's something to keep in mind that we, we don't want to do that. We, we never want to be in that position where we have the idea that we're better than. Because when it comes down to it, you know, I'm pastor of this church, but when we all stand before the Lord, it's not going to mean a single thing. Because we all stand equally before the Lord. He is God. And I, I always want to keep that in mind. And that's what we find being emphasized even with, uh, with the quote-unquote masters in this particular passage. So let's go ahead and uh, look in this, because, you know, as a, regarding home life, the training begins there. The training of becoming that kind of person that we can be effective. So we find that it says uh, there's, some, there's some reasons why we would obey. Children, obey your parents. Notice, notice that we've switched from submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's still within that concept, the relationships. It's still within that concept, but now we're going, uh, instead of just having a, a, a sincere respect for one another, as I d described in Ephesians 5, now we're being called, told to obey, that we're called to be obedient. That's the next step here. And so children, obey your parents. And the first, first reason why, because it's God's will. Notice what it says, obey your parents in the Lord. That's the perspective that we somehow need to keep in mind. That everything we do, God is watching. And so, you know, sometimes I look at my own life and I go, did you put on blindfolds for that moment, Lord? I wish. How many of us, oh, no, don't raise your hand. You don't want to respond. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we don't want to talk about those times. Okay. But anyway, it, it, it's uh, because it's the will of God in the Lord. But you notice it says next, for this is right. You know, when we as parents just basically let our children rule everything, then we are in disobedience to the Lord ourselves. Because we're enabling the children to be in total disobedience. And so it is right that there would be the obedience. And so, you know, we work with, uh, our, uh, some, some have children in their families, some, some have grown children and, and so on, but we we have, we have uh, grandchildren, we have, we have, there's children always around that we need to make sure that we are helping them do what's right before the Lord. And, we, and then I, I mentioned earlier, we're all children of God. 
Guess what we're helping each other do? Obey the Lord. Do what's right in His sight. So this passage, even though many of us may be past little children, it applies to all of us in the sense that we want to obey uh, God, our Father, because it is right. And, uh, and then, but I like what it says uh, because of the fifth commandment that's in place. Here's another reason why. Because it's a promise, it, it's a commandment with a promise. That's a good reason, right? That, you know, and it's interesting as I was looking at this, that, you know, you have, you have the commandments. Yeah, there's another, there's a, some that appear to be promises, but it's really just an affirmation of your relationship with the Lord. But this is the one that Paul identifies, taking from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, as we will see. He says there's a promise. And what's fascinating is that, the, you know, we have a tendency to say, well, the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The next, next six deal with our relationship with one another. But that's not the way the Jews looked at it. They had the five commandments on each tablet. And they looked at this one as a part of worshiping God, a part of loving Him with our whole being. And it wasn't this loving others, but it was loving Him. And you and I know that that's what we're called to do. Love the Lord our God with all of, our, all of who we are. And of course, through Him, then we love one another. But I thought that was a very, very promise. But what, what is the promise or what is, it, what is the reward? that all may go with, well with you, and that you may enjoy long life. And you know, let's face it, how many of, again, don't raise your hand, <laughs> but how many of us have paid some consequences for some of the actions that we have done? It didn't quite go well, didn't quite go right. And so we can take a look at our own experiences and realize that if we had done differently, we would have enjoyed life a whole lot more than paid the consequences. And so the promises that we have, the promises that things will go well with us when we do what's right before the Lord. And then we as adults, as, well, we here, we're children of, of the Father. As we obey His Word, then we experience things going much better for us. doesn't mean that the, everything's going to go perfect because we're dealing with the world. We're dealing with that worldview. We're dealing with that challenge that's always facing us. But life is a whole lot better when we do the will of God than when it is not. And when we, and then of course, you know, enjoying a long life. Because we, we, highly likely we won't do something stupid like what we've seen over the last couple of days. It's, uh, so <clears throat> anyway, then it goes on and gives the responsibilities of the parents. And so there's a negative command at the beginning, which says basically don't provoke to anger. Don't exasperate them. But, you know, choose, choose to live in such a way that we are building them up. There's a Tony Marita who said there's, there's a number of ways that we can anger our children. One is forgetting that they are children. We've seen that, right? where we've seen adults uh, treat a child as if they're an adult, that exasperates them. That frustrates them because they're children. So, you know, having that attitude. Another way is when we compare 
a child to another. How many of us feel good when someone compares us to someone else? And it can happen in a church. That exasperates us. I'm me. I'm not that person. Another way is to be inconsistent in the discipline. When there's an inconsistency, the child doesn't know when they're doing right or wrong or anything like that. Another way is not expressing approval. Even when they, you know, even with the smallest successes, we should express how much we are proud of our children. And you know what? We need that encouragement too. There's a study that was done by Saratoga Institute of why people leave six-figure for five-figure jobs. And the fifth hidden reason was lack of appreciation. How much do our children need that sense of appreciation, that building up? How much do we need as adults to know that people appreciate us? Our Father appreciates us, but we need to encourage one another. You know, and then withholding love. That's another way that we can exasperate. Uh, disciplining after the willful, dis uh, 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 you know, disciplining other than when they will do something willfully wrong. Pressuring them to pursue your goals rather than theirs. Withholding love or overprotecting. These are ways that we can really uh, frustrate our children. And we can see the comparison if we pass it on over into the church. The less integrity a, person ha a parent has, the more difficult it will be for the, uh, the child to honor them. If we have a hostile parent, you're going to raise a hostile child. And so we have these guidelines from, from um, the Apostle Paul here that in integrity of faith starts in the family. So Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, take time, invest in them. Be present. And that's something that's so lacking in our families today. More and more because of the technology we have, more and more because we have the idiot boxes. In, well, we, we used to call them idiot boxes, but the, you know, we have those flat screens now. that just, they take away from the interaction. They take away from the developing of one another, being invested in each other's lives. So we have some real challenges that are going on. So uh, in the, in the uh, workplace part here, we move, we move over to where it says, slaves, obey your masters. You know, there's still that idea of obedience. Now, for, for us, slavery, we go back to the 19th century perspective when we had, we had people uh, using a, a particular race as their slaves, devaluing them as, as a human, dehumanizing them. But what's going on in this particular passage is not so much that. We realize that back in that day, and it wasn't, no one ever said it was right, but back in that day, 
It was not like the 19th century slavery, dehumanizing. No, they, there was all kind of laws to protect, but it was kind of like their, their workplace, where people, because of debt, would be, put themselves in, in slavery. Sometimes it was captivity, but sometimes, uh, sometimes it had to do with because of debt or birth, but many times they voluntarily put themselves into it so that they could actually better their life. And they, would, they were given opportunity to buy their freedom at the age of 30. Many slaves actually owned other slaves. You know, so it was just a way of, it was their economic way. It wasn't right, and Paul, Paul doesn't say it's right, but he does say something that's very interesting in this passage. He's talking about the fact that, you know what, you may be slave, you may be master, but you're one in the Lord. And that's what we see happening here. There's this recognition, Paul is saying, we're one. So now we, we can carry this on over in today's economics because it was an economic reason. Didn't mean it, nothing was ever said that it was about right. In fact, eventually that, was, that, that, that approach was uh, destroyed. Uh, thankfully, that, that form of slavery, quote unquote, from the 19th century was destroyed. The sad part is we still have dehumanizing going on. We still have slavery. And that's why Sandy's back east right now, dealing with this issue of human trafficking, modern day slavery. And it is not right. Modern day slavery is uh, using a human being in a way that is inappropriate before the Lord God. But Paul recognized that there was many of the slaves becoming followers of Jesus Christ. When you consider that uh, almost a third of the population of Rome and Greece was slavery, yeah, you know, and the message, Paul was very much involved. In fact, by the little side note, many of the slaves were part of the family, if you will, in the, in the homes back then. So it's a little bit different. But the point is, they were still slaves. They were the workers of the day. They were the employees of the day. So let's bring that into our particular situation. And what does Paul say? Paul says, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. So basically, there's a number of things that we, we're seeing. There's four ways that are identified in this passage in ways that we are to obey. And that is, first of all, it says, it says in this passage, with fear and uh, with respect and fear, the idea is respectfully. Serve respectfully. This is the call that we have in our work life, where, where we are serving, even if we're volunteering, but to serve res respectfully, you know, in such a way that, you know, we recognize that we're working for Christ. And that's, that's what's being, being emphasized here. In fact, treat others as we would treat the Lord. That's the bottom line message for both the employee and the employer, is that we are to treat one another as, as if we are treating our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, first, serve respectfully, serve sincerely. Uh, sincerely, and with sincerity of heart, it said, as if, you, as if you're serving Christ. Because see, there's, it goes on, it talks, uh, uh, there's a tendency for us to w do work uh, with uh, basically being uh, eye pleasers, men pleasers, eye service. In other words, 
we, many people in the workplace, had, they have their eyes on two, two locations, one on the clock and the other up on the boss when he, walks in, when he or she walks in. Paul reminds us, wait a minute, that boss may not always be around, but you serve because you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ has his eyes on you. And I think that's something that impacts all of our lives in a, in a negative way, that we forget that it's not so much that we're trying to please men, but our Lord's eyes are upon us. We are his servants. And so he says, even in the workplace, serve respectfully, serve sincerely, and serve conscientiously. Not so not so much that you are focused upon the man, but you're focused upon the Lord. Because verse 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. That's the key passage in this, is that we would serve in such a way that people would see something different because we're serving the Lord. Yeah, our employer is benefiting. The company's benefiting but it's because we're serving the Lord. So, <clears throat> you know, um, and then of course serve expectantly as, because we know that the Lord will reward us. That's, that's the bottom line. We may not receive the necessary rewards from here on earth, but we're serving the Lord. He is our Father. He is our Lord. And that's one of the things that we want to keep in mind. Because if we're going to be a positive draw to people, then we need to have that right perspective. And it's not always easy. Because we're, we're living in this world today. We're living right here. But in everything we do, it should be done in a way that we have deep, in the, in, in, deep inside, we're honoring Him. And that's the call that's going on. But uh, I thought of something, and, and I didn't mention it earlier, but I want to go ahead and mention it right now. You know, um, there's a tendency to dehumanize people. You know, many of our employers dehumanize us today. Because when we clock out, guess who's still on the clock? Are people using you? Are they controlling your life? Or are they allowing you to be present? Present with whatever it is that God wants you to do. With family, with friends, with different service opportunities. Is there always this distraction that dehumanizes? We as Christians are called to do something a little bit different, to, to stand up a little bit uh, straighter before the Lord, honoring Him. And that's a challenge. It is a challenge in life. I mean, you know, I deal with it all the time. You know, um, as you know, I'm a Dale Carnegie trainer as well. And I, I want to make sure that I have an opportunity to speak into the lives of people to help them to be able to grow and develop, have better relationships with human beings and stuff like that, so that we can be a positive influence. But see, the church, we Christians, We've allowed so much to distract that is it any wonder that we do have situations happening in our world around us today. So let us 
be the ones who are serving the Lord wholeheartedly, that in everything that we do, that we would have that positive impact. You know, are we always going to do it right? No. We're not. But let's give our best. You know, when going back to the children, when, when uh, I was raised in, in a situation that I got the belt a lot. Not necessarily because we did bad, but there was, I remember dad walking in one time, all right, kids, bend over. But dad, we didn't do anything. This is for what you thought of doing. <laughs> and, and other times, because uh, mom said, they've been bad. And dad says, okay, kids, cry. And he would take his belt and go, just as if we were being spanked. You know, it, it was a weird life. <laughs> so, uh, you know, now um, my wife, she was not raised in that kind of family. We had two people coming together, remember. And she was not raised in that kind of a family situation, but her dad talked them to death about whatever, you know, it was a form of training. It was a form of discipline. So my wife and I agreed that we would take a, a, different, a different approach and we'd blend, blend some things. And <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember that, you know, I would talk with my, my girls and they would be crying and stuff. I said, but you realize there's consequences. And so... I never, never with my hand, but I did use the belt, but it was always the consequence. And they go, ah! you know, just the, the whole idea. But they, they at some point says, Dad, just spank us. You know, quit talking. <laughs> we get it, Dad. And <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, they just kind of reached a place where they just, they, we never even had to follow through with that. We just sit down and talk and talk about things. I'm very proud of my girls today. They're very, very solid. Did they make, did they always make right decisions? No. Did I always make right decisions? No. Did I let them down? Yes. We had, we had, a, we had an agreement that uh, when they didn't really want to do something, but they didn't want to let their friends know. They said, oh, please, 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 Dad, please, 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 let us, let us. And they were basically saying, Dad, tell us no, that we have something else going on. And I remember one time that I misread, and, you know, because of the relationship, they followed through and did not do something that they really wanted to do. And they said, okay, Dad, tell us why you didn't let us do it. I says, but I thought, he says, no, Dad, we really wanted to do that. Oh, I'm so sorry, girls. You know what? We're not going to do, always do everything right in the home life, in the work life. But let's be honest. Let's be ethical. Let's own it. When we do something wrong, admit it and apologize and do, you know, with, with your family members and with your colleagues. If we do that, then we will be that positive witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially if we keep in mind the bottom line, serve the Lord your God 
wholeheartedly. And that's what we're called to do in our families and in our work life. Amen? Amen. In a moment, we're going to be receiving communion, but I'm going to ask that you say, Lord, I haven't always got it right. But Lord, I want to, I want to honor you. I want to do what's right with my family and with my colleagues. So help me, Lord, to figure out how to do that in such a way that honors you. So Lord, as we are preparing to receive these elements today, I pray that you would speak to our hearts in such a way that you would reveal to us where we have fallen short.